Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Mighty Warriors podcast, a podcast dedicated to inspire and encourage you to experience a deeper intimacy with God and to be transformed by His Word in your everyday life. I'm your host, Colette Correa. Thank you so very much for joining us. This is episode 27, and this episode is about a pair of twins and birthright. Don't go away. This is a good day for you, Mighty Warriors. I'm doing very well today and very grateful for another day to be alive. So here we are. Are you ready for another episode? Guys, I do not know if you remember a little bit of the first episode. In that episode, I shared about myself, but I did not share much about my personal life because, you know, It was more about giving you an overview of who I am than details about my personal life. But today I want to share a few anecdotes and, you know, share a little bit more. It's not much, but it's something. (laughs) So, well, I'm the oldest of four. I have two sisters and one brother. As the oldest, I can say that I was spoiled. I can't complain. I lived a very good life as a child. And even when my siblings came, my parents kept spoiling us equally. We are blessed to have great parents. Truly, they're just so wonderful. And even now, as we are adults, they continue to love on us and spoil us. Although it's our turn to take care of them and love on them. So because I was the oldest, I was often lightly reminded that my responsibility was to take care of my siblings and protect them. I think I was doing a good job until I reached, you know, seven, eight. My sister and I were playing outside and we saw our neighbor's dog from afar off of his leash. And since we saw the dog running in our direction, we started running. I'm laughing, but it's not funny. We started running for our lives. And of course, since I can only run for myself, I left my sister behind. Guess what happened? She got bitten by the dog. I didn't. But guess what happened to me? I got blamed for abandoning my sister. In other words, I got blamed for not being the one who got heroically bitten instead of my sister. Thank God the dog did not have rabies and my sister survived and she never held it against me that I ran for my life. But you know, I must tell you something. I loved being the firstborn. I mean, I still love being the firstborn. There was something special. I I felt set apart. I felt this responsibility. Yes, sometimes it could feel a little bit overwhelming But I loved it. I felt that I was born for it, that there was a special mark on me. And I don't know if any firstborn listening 
might relate, but this was my experience. So I loved being the firstborn, but I loved being in charge. In fact, when my mom would gather us and tell us, okay, children, I'm about to go take a nap. Please be quiet and do not fight with each other. Guess who had something to say or ask? Yes, you guessed it. Well, me. (laughs) I would say, well, mom, so who's going to be the boss? Who's going to be in charge when you're sleeping? And mom would say, okay, since you're the oldest, you're in charge, but be kind to your siblings. Don't be harsh. I can tell you how happy I would feel, you know, as a nine-year-old, a 10-year-old or 11, 12, you know, being in charge of telling my siblings how to behave while mom was asleep taking a nap. Why am I sharing all of this? I just want to help you understand what firstborn life feels like and let you know that there are some perks from being a firstborn. Today we're going to talk about birthright and how it was of the utmost importance in the lives of Isaac's children. Let's read our foundational passage from Genesis chapter 25, verses 21 through 34. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife, because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife Rebekah became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the elder will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out, with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, Quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he was also called Edom. Jacob replied, First, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, Swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentils too. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. After 20 years of infertility, Rebekah is finally pregnant. And we read here that she inquires of the Lord when she senses that the, there is a lot of activities in her womb. And so here's what we read in verse 23. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. 
One people will be stronger than the other, and the elder will serve the younger. This is important for us to take note of what is said here, as this revelation will have a great impact on the destinies of these children and the relationship they will have with their parents. One of the twins was named Esau, which means hairy. As described in verse 25, his whole body was like a hairy garment. The other twin was named Jacob, which means supplanter, one who seizes, because as his brother was coming out, when his mother was giving birth, Jacob held his heel. In verse 27 and 28, we are told that the parents favored one child over the other. While Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for wild game and Esau, being a hunter, could satisfy his appetite, Rebekah loved Jacob, who was more of a homebody. What I'd like for us to focus on is actually what happens between Jacob and Esau when they grow up and what happens between them. So one day when Esau returns from hunting, exhausted and famished, he asks Jacob, who has just cooked a stew, and Jacob offers him a bowl in exchange for his birthright. Esau doesn't even think about it twice, and he responds, as we read in verse 32, Look, I'm about to die. What good is the birthright to me? So Jacob makes him swear that he's going to sell him his birthright. And after he swears, he gives him the bowl of lentils too. And Esau eats, is satisfied, and then leaves. And we are told that he despised his birthright. Why was the birthright important? In the Old Covenant Scriptures, we discover that birthright was usually given to the oldest son in the family. Birthright, which in Hebrew is berokah, carried on great significance. Because, number one, birthright was the natural privilege of the firstborn. The birthright never had to be earned. It was automatically granted to the firstborn. Number two, Birthright was important because the firstborn would become the one in charge, the head of the family once the father would be gone. Number three, birthright permitted the firstborn to exercise considerable authority in his family and in his community as he represented his family. Number four, birthright was a blessing as the firstborn always got a double portion of the inheritance. Number five, birthright afforded the firstborn son to succeed his father to the throne during the times when Israel had kings. In a couple of instances in the Old Covenant Scriptures, we see the birthright being passed on to the second son. First, we see the birthright being passed on from Ishmael to Isaac because God mentions that his covenant is going to be made with Isaac when Abraham decided to have a relationship with Hagar he had that relationship without having consulted God yet 
In the end, God communicated to Abraham that his covenant would be made with Isaac. Second, we have Jacob's firstborn Reuben, who forfeited his blessing when he desecrated his father's bed by sleeping with his concubine. So Jacob passed on the blessing of birthright to Joseph's son, Ephraim. In fact, when Jacob passed on the blessing to Joseph's sons, he blessed the younger rather than the elder. Birthright was so important that later on there was provision in the Torah in Deuteronomy chapter 21 verses 15 and 17 for the birthright to not be taken from the firstborn. In the New Covenant Scriptures, we discover through Messiah Jesus that He is the firstborn of all creation. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 tells us that the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. According to Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 through 11, God the Father exalted His Son his firstborn, Messiah Jesus, to be exalted to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess, every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is a great blessing. Through Messiah Jesus, we have inherited a birthright status. It is because He is the firstborn from the dead that He has opened the door for us to be freed from our sins by His blood, as explained in Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. Then, in the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 29, it says, for those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Esau's decision might seem trivial, but his decision will have great consequences, which we will discuss in detail in our next episode. Meanwhile, Here's a question for us to consider concerning this passage. What can we learn from Esau's decision in rejecting his birthright? 1. Esau made a decision based on physical need rather than spiritual one. His physical need was hunger, when his spiritual need would have been how he could have lived a life that is honoring and pleasing to God as he fulfilled his role as firstborn. This spiritual decision could have impacted generations to come. However, he was more interested in prioritizing instant gratification than preserving what was divinely ordained. His birthright was a gift to be stewarded, but he did not care for his birthright one bit. 2. Esau was foolish Where was the wrong in Esau's decision? It was not in desiring to eat, 
as he is human and after hunting anybody would want to eat, but he was foolish in swearing and giving his birthright for a bowl of lentil stew. It's like exchanging a diamond that is valued at $35 million for a bowl of lentils that would be gulped in less than two minutes. Esau could have refused to sell his birthright and waited to either make his own stew or even get his mother to make it for him. 3. Esau made an impulsive decision at a vulnerable time, when he was hungry. I've often heard preachers share the following acronym that would serve as well. The acronym is HALT. H-A-L-T. H for hunger, A for angry, L for lonely, and T for tired. And so when they would share this acronym, they would encourage us to never make an important decision when we are hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. 4. Esau was manipulative. To get what he wanted from Jacob, he exaggerated the state that he was in by implying in verse 32 that he was on the verge of dying. Nobody dies from hunger unless you do not eat for many, many, many days. And yet, many fast without any food for days and keep drinking fluid and they do not die. So Esau exaggerated in order to quickly obtain that bowl of lentil stew that he was craving. Esau's decision was so foolish that we are warned in the New Covenant Scriptures, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 16, not to follow in his footsteps. In fact, he is called godless in that passage. Esau exercised his free will by selling what was precious, and later on he bore the consequences by losing the blessing that was attached to the right of his birthright. But then it was too late. It was irreversible. As born-again believers, we are called to exercise our birthright. We have the birthright to enjoy a reconciled relationship with God, to represent Him as ambassadors of His kingdom, and to use our free will wisely. We are called to live sanctified lives, who set their minds on what the Spirit desires, not on the flesh as Esau did. Here is what Romans chapter 8 verses 5 through 9 says. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God, it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Friends, before making any decisions, make sure that it is not motivated by a carnal mind where physical need is placed above spiritual need. 
as you consider making that decision, think rationally, pray, and get wise counsel. Dear Heavenly Father, today, through this lesson, I've realized that I have something so precious as a born-again believer, and it's my birthright. Because Jesus died on Calvary and defeated death, we are reconciled back to you, Father. Sin no longer separates us from you, and we can now receive everything that you originally intended for us to receive as your children. I confess that in the past I have made rash decisions. When I was hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And my listeners probably have done the same as well. So I pray, Father, you would give us wisdom to make sound decisions and protect us from clouded judgment. In small or big decisions, help us to be patient. When we like wisdom, let your Holy Spirit bring back to our remembrance that we can ask freely and you, Father, will give us wisdom generously without finding fault. I ask all of this in the mighty and precious name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mighty Warriors, thank you for joining us today. I hope that this was a blessed message and that whatever we shared in this episode, it will help you this week and encourage you and maybe help you make wise decisions. Mighty Warriors, I bid you farewell and I say, talk to you next week. Bye.